BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, let's move on. It's time to party. Oh, hey, Ben, put the bong away. My <laughs> God, we're in the sun time. I don't, I don't like that. No pot smoking in here. Wait okay. till you get home, pal. <laughs> but hey, Lori Lightfoot has been Chicago mayor for 100 days. Mm. Now, ever since last week, the Ben Jarofsky show, along with other media outlets and online pundits, have been looking back on Lightfoot's tenure as mayor thus far, and well, let's just say, not the most glowing reviews. <laughs> Our listeners are really hard on him, aren't they, Dean? And I guess that's um, why the mayor took it upon herself to give herself her own 100-day oh, review. Yeah, yeah, we're and Ben, what do you know? According to Chicago Mayor Lightfoot, she's doing awesome. Uh, well, I just can't finish saying that, D. Yeah, she's. if it came down to self-grading, I, too, would have been an outstanding scholar, you know, but whatever. Now, Ben mentioned her talk with the Chicago Tribune at the Open, but the mayor's office also put out a press release recently. And listen, I don't like saying this, all right, but... In Bruce Rauner, like fashion, <laughs> the press release from her contains a list of accomplishments by her okay. since becoming mayor. Okay. I, have, I have the list uh, right here in my face. It looks like we got 11 Lori Lightfoot accomplishments here. Uh, ben, I'll read one by one here. You weigh in. We'll see how far we get until Mon uh, Monroe Anderson okay, arrives. Okay, all right. All right, here have we go. we heard from Monroe, by the way? Any update no, on Monroe? Okay. okay. Monroe doesn't really like texting, all right. Typical yeah. Wednesday here on the Ben Jarofsky Show. <laughs> he'll, he'll be here when he gets here. All right, let's go through the list of accomplishments, uh, according to Lori Lightfoot, since she's become mayor. Number one, creation of a multifaceted, comprehensive crime-fighting strategy centered on unprecedented citywide coordination that has resulted in nearly 7,000 guns recovered year-to-date, a three-year low in murders, shooting incidents at their lowest count since 2015, and 20-year lows in robberies, burglaries, and motor vehicle thefts. All right. Uh, wow. Every any time a mayor, uh, we, we went through this with, with Rom and with Daly, uh, but really with Rom. Any time a mayor starts taking full credit for uh, the ups and the downs, let's put it this way, of in crime, it's always you always got to be a little cautious in that, uh, folks. Uh, crime. There's. I, I like to say there's been crime in the city of Chicago for forever. And uh, mayors grapple with this in many different ways, different strategies. But essentially, Lori Lightfoot uh, is an inherited position of mayor of the city of Chicago while crime was going down. It was already going down in the last years of Mayor Rahm. So do we credit Mayor uh, Lori Lightfoot for new innovations that have managed uh, that have uh, for the drop in crime? Do we just say it's a larger trend that no mayor should be responsible for? I don't know if you want to if you're a serious student of crime and police tactics. Uh, that's an argument for you. Most people in the city of Chicago just want crime to go down. They don't really care. You know what I'm saying, D? And uh, so if she wants to give herself credit for crime going down, that's fine with me. On the other hand, if crime starts going up, touch wood that it doesn't. But if it does, uh, then she's going to have to take uh, the blame for it. All right. We're listing the accomplishments here uh, from Lori Lightfoot. According to Lori Lightfoot, uh, her accomplishments since she first became mayor, 
celebrating 100 days as mayor. All right, number two, passing the most comprehensive worker scheduling law. Oh, I'm sorry, this is, uh, I got one before that. My apologies. It says directing a significant expansion of school staffing and resources, including an unprecedented equity-focused budget, commitment to increasing social worker, nurse, and special education case manager positions, and one of the largest capital budgets in recent history with investments to upgrade classrooms and facilities at over 300 schools across the city All in 2020. Right. Yeah, we'd love to hear what Brandon Johnson has to say about this. Look. This is going to be a very contentious issue in the upcoming, it is a contentious issue in the current, the ongoing teachers negotiations, negotiations between the, the Chicago Teachers Union and the Chicago Public Schools. Uh, basically, the teachers want these nursing jobs, these uh, counselor jobs to be embedded in a school's budget. They want every school to, and librarian, let's not forget librarians, they want each school to have a certain number of library, uh, each school to have a minimum of like one librarian at least, uh, a certain number number of what they call wraparound workers. I applaud them. I believe that's absolutely necessary. Mayor Lightfoot does not want to make that commitment now. That's a huge commitment of money uh, and that she has other uses for that money. So she, so what she's doing, D, is a very uh, astute public relations move. She's hired some in this particular budget, but she uh, teacher of uh, librarians and social workers and counselors, et cetera, but not as much as the, the teachers union uh, want. And they're not embedded in a contract so that they have to be there every year for every school. And uh, so she's trying to get her message out first so that she think the public will just who's barely paying attention to this stuff will think hey what are they complaining about she hired a few librarians so that's a very astute political move by Lori Lightfoot whether it actually helps the students and throughout the Chicago public school system is a whole other issue all right on to Lori Lightfoot accomplishment number three passing the most comprehensive worker scheduling law in the nation that will finally give lower wage workers and their families predictability in scheduling and fairer working conditions yeah, I give her credit on that one we've been talking a lot about that on the show and uh, we had a uh, Alderman, Alderwoman Sue Garza from the 10th Ward uh, was it was her committee that that uh, passed. And so shout out to you, Lori Lightfoot. That is truly a, an accomplishment, something that your predecessor, Mayor Rahm, in a million years would have been dragging his feet on. You know, that would have taken a <laughs> Mayor Rahm would have taken two years to get that thing done. It would have been a water down. So kudos for that one, Lori Lightfoot. All right. On to accomplishment number four. This is from the Lori Lightfoot campaign press release, all right? This isn't just Dennis listing 11 <laughs> things that I really like oh, about you love her, okay? Lori. <laughs> Begun reforming an historically regressive fines and fees system in order to help people move into payment plans and compliance instead of into bankruptcy. Oh, yeah. Is that the end of that? that yep. stipula Okay. Th this, we've talked about this so much in the show, the way in which the city of Chicago uh, is dependent on poor people to finance itself with our crazy system with the, with the red light cameras and you get a certain number of tickets and then you can lose your car and then you try to get your car out of hock. Uh, it's like a daily fee that escalates. Uh, they really get just like gangster-like business from the city of Chicago and it's a way of shaking down the people who can at least afford it uh, to pay for... Um, uh, to pay for the city's bills. I think we have to go f far further than she did on this particular point. We, th we should really start thinking about doing away with some of these fines and fees because they're so regressive. Uh, but I guess it was a step in the right direction. All right, moving on here. Gesundheit, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. I'm, I got the allergies like crazy. Anybody else got allergies listening out there? I feel like crap. All right, here we go. Uh, the next accomplishment, we're on to number five. 
overhauling the workers' compensation program to improve benefits to workers and reduce liability and claims costs to the city. All right. Well, I haven't seen a whole lot of that's a lot of talk about that, uh, shifting it from the Finance Committee uh, under the supervision of Ed Burke in the old days uh, to the city. So that's sort of like an incomplete. Got to see more specificity on that one. All right, on to number six. We're listing, uh, well, we're going through the press release for Lori. This is Lori's accomplishments as she sees it. Yeah, there you go, there you Mm -hmm. go. Number six, achieving passage of a series of ethics and good governance reforms to ensure the city operates more efficiently, transparently, and in a way that is accountable to all residents and taxpayers. I have no idea what she's going to need a little more specificity before you that. And again, I, I... I like I did with the Tribune. I always caution anybody to put the word ethics in the same sentence as the the the, the city called Chicago. So I, I need to see a little more specificity on that one before we raise the flag celebrating that. Yeah, she kind of could have left that one. That one is kind of loosely worded there. <laughs> oh yeah, we've done great things. Okay, if you say same thing with the workers' comp, a little more specificity. You know. This is why you probably shouldn't give yourself a grade after 100 days if you haven't done something on that particular issue. On to number seven, doubling down on protections for immigrant and refugee families by issuing an executive order to terminate ICE access to citywide databases and city facilities, increasing legal aid funding by $250,000 and uniting with community and business leaders to address fears in the wake of threats. Well, this one is uh, she's she's under fire in this one for many progressives don't think she's gone far enough on the issue of protecting people who live in the Chicago from being uh, rounded up by ice. So this is one where, again, it's like with the teachers union, she's trying to get out ahead of her her critics by claiming a victory when there's a lot of people say more work needs to be done. So I don't know if I would give her credit for that one, D. All right. We are working our way through Lori Lightfoot's list of accomplishments, according to Mayor Lori Lightfoot, since becoming mayor. Yeah, she said, hey, if I'm going to be graded, for our first 100 days, I'm going to grade myself. And I think she's giving herself straight A's, D. Boy, I'm just looking at this. I'm doing great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. On to number eight, working with partners to secure authorization on a Chicago casino. Oh, and, oh boy, Ben's about <laughs> to get ready to riff here. And taking yeah. additional steps toward creating a long-term sustainable financial plan for the city. All right. Well, okay. First of all... Uh, <laughs> Got to bury this one. The long-term financial plan. All right, let's put that one to the side. Uh, the casino issue. Everybody knows uh, my thoughts on the casinos. If you listen to the show, it's a truly regressive way to uh, finance government. Uh, the city and the state feel they have no choice, so they passed a casino law, massive casino expansion. And now it turns out uh, that casino operators aren't certain if they want to uh, have a, uh, take control of a casino in the city of Chicago because the way the law is written, they don't feel they're going to get enough money uh, from the casino to make it worth their while, which is, you know, already there's a negotiation going on before any casino operators have emerged to try to change the formula to give the casino owners more money. Uh, this game, this is another one of these shifting uh, three-card Monty games where they first, when when the law first passed, uh, Mayor Lightfoot announced that there were five, na- I think there were five sites throughout the city, including some on the south side and the west side that she was looking at, and all of a sudden they're saying, no, those sites uh, aren't conducive for a casino and the casino operators need more money. So this is a constantly shifting game, and it's really too early to give yourself credit for anything, which you may not want to give yourself credit for to begin with, because I don't know if casinos are in the best interest of the city of Chicago. So I don't even know why it's on the list, D. All right, on to accomplishment number nine from Lori Lightfoot. According to Lori Lightfoot, 
creating the city's first ever office of racial justice and equity to oversee the development of policies and practices to advance racial and social equity for the city. All right. Now, this is a great idea, and I give her credit for uh, uh, having such an office and uh, dedicating her time and her energy to uh, this issue of inequity in the city of Chicago. Certainly is tremendous inequity in the city of Chicago. However, I must point out, that the most striking example of inequity in the city of Chicago is the TIF program. And in particular, it's Lincoln Yards and the 78. And I may be the only person who harps on about this day. I know the tribute didn't even, <laughs> they did this story in the first 100 days of Lori Life and they didn't even mention TIFs. It's kind of funny. Uh, but you can't give yourself credit for leading the fight for social equity if you're fighting the lawsuit to overturn Lincoln Yards. And I think that Lori, I, I wrote about this, this is my column for this week's, in, in this week's Reader. I think that Lori Lightfoot uh, has to really come forward. I would love to hear her thoughts on why her administration, her law department is fighting grassroots collaboratives lawsuit that would uh, torpedo the Lincoln Yard tips because nothing is more, what, unfair than spending, dedicating $1.3 billion to economic development on a north side, rapidly gentrifying neighborhood, while poor south and west side neighborhoods do without money. So I think she has to deal with that issue. And that is something that she controls because she controls the TIF program uh, before she starts giving herself credit uh, on this front. All right. If you just uh, tuned in, if you're listening live, we are going over the list of accomplishments. According to Lori Lightfoot, uh, in, since her first 100 days in office, oh, we're having a party. Hey, whoa, Ben. Liquor? Really? My God. I swear to God, it's just a lifesaver whoa. that uh, Mark Sims brought in yesterday. Ben, wait, <laughs> drink liquor till you get home. I got cake over in the corner. It's good partying. Come on. No, it's just a cookie that Mark Sims left. Number 10, creating the city's first chief risk officer position, which will focus on launching an enterprise risk management system to reduce the cost of legal settlement uh, settlements to the city. All right. Well, this is a big problem. Uh, legal settlements to the city have to do with uh, police brutality lawsuits. And uh, I cannot blame Lori Lightfoot. I started off by saying I cannot blame Lori Lightfoot uh, for the situation we're in with our financial obligations, uh, nor can I blame Lori Lightfoot for uh, the, all the lawsuits down through the years and uh, having to do with police brutality matters. So um, I'm not sure what this position will do. Uh, to address the problem of in, having all these lawsuits and all these payouts. Uh, it sounds good, D. It sounds promising, I suppose. But we're going to have to wait and see uh, just general policing attitudes and police training and, uh, uh, and, and also things that are like – there are some to a certain degree outside of Lori's uh, control, like the number of jobs that we have in the city of Chicago. How about all those hiring more of the counselors in the public schools and the nurses in the public schools, et cetera, the social workers, uh, et cetera, having more after school programs, uh, anything that might that she could do to combat crime uh, by giving people something to do and uh, and putting people in a more positive focus. These are things she controls, 
again, go back to the TIF program instead of spending the money on a north side development, spending the money on the schools. So these are all parts of the, it's a huge complex problem, crime in Chicago and the relationship between police and poor black communities. It's a problem that's existed for 50 years, as long as I've been around the city, longer than that. Go back to the race riots in 1919. So Lori Lightfoot's inheriting a huge problem, and uh, I'm not quite sure uh, that... what does he call it? A risk? What it, risk management uh, is going to be an adequate uh, solution to it. So it sounds more like something on a press release, D, than an actual meaningful change in the city of Chicago. All right, we got two more Lori Lightfoot accomplishments, according to Lori Lightfoot, to go. Number eleven, beginning steps toward a comprehensive redevelopment strategy to tackle years of disinvestment on the city's south and west sides, including creating a coalition of over forty business leaders to participate in a corridor reinvestment strategy. All right, well that gets back to the TIF program. That the TIF program is the only uh, discretionary. It's the only source of discretionary money that a mayor has to fund economic development. It is everything in the city. That's why I spent so much time talking about it. And it is so unfair the way it's allocated right now. And uh, if she doesn't do something to to change radically the TIF program, uh, that is just empty rhetoric on that uh, press release. And right now, like I said, she's fighting the lawsuit that's intended to change it. So we need to see more on this front. Benny J, we made it all the way through the list. It is time now for number 12 accomplishment number 12 according to Lori lightfoot since becoming mayor launching a new and improved qualified allocation plan or qap (laughs) which for the first time makes explicit collaboration with a continuum of care resulting in a coordinated application process for addressing homelessness uh, okay, homelessness. Wow. I didn't know where you were going with that sentence. I had no idea what it meant. But here's another issue, as she said, disagreement with progressives. And that has to do with getting a, uh, a stream of money to finance programs to deal with homelessness. Uh, when she was running for mayor, Lori Lightfoot endorsed a plan where she would uh, put a tax on the sale of really expensive buildings, a really expensive property, I think for over a, mil- a million dollars. And that money would be directly allocated to fight homelessness. Now she is generally talking about using that money to uh, take care of the city's business needs. So it's it's not surprising that she would bury, <laughs> put that to number 12 and put that <laughs> gobbledygook language that nobody understands because this is another one of these programs where she's at odds with progressives. So you know what you do? You bury it at the bottom of the list. Nobody would get to it. And, uh, and then you, you phrase it in such a way that nobody knows what you're talking about. And uh, that's PR one hundred and one D. So there you are. Some uh, local news there. Uh, the list of accomplishments from Lori Lightfoot, according to Lori Lightfoot, celebrating her one hundred days as mayor. Oh, Ben, put the <laughs> party maker noise away. Good <laughs> lord. Okay. Well, hey, whoa. Do you feel that in the air? By the way. Oh yeah. What is that? Ready to say twenty twenty. Yeah. Blue dog. Blue dog. By the way, she's, Lori Lightfoot should have put something in the press release. She's the first mayor in the city of Chicago who actually knows uh, football. All right. Mayor Rahm didn't know football at all. And Mayor Daly didn't really care about football at all. So give yourself credit for something you really do know. Lori's the season ticket holder for the Chicago Bears. How about that, D? Well, there went Take that. that thing about the homelessness, that gobbledygook out and put the Bears thing in. All right. Well, there went that segue. <laughs> it's almost football season, which means that the best sports reporters at the Chicago Sun-Times want to offer you, yes, you, our listeners, an exclusive deal on unlimited digital access to all 
of the stories you love, and that's A-L-L All. Do not miss a game this season. Get all the big plays, scores, and stories from the Chicago Sun-Times. For a limited time only, you can lock in our lowest rate yet, only $29.99 for a full year of all the news and sports that you need to know. Stay up to date on the breaking stories. Get the deep dives and investigations from Sun-Times reporters and go deep inside City Hall with best-in-class political reporting and, of course, Cheer for the big games with the best sports team in the city. Ben, make that noise. Ready, set, 2020. Huh? Yeah, ready, set, 2020, guys. And ready, set, 29.99 for a full year of unlimited access. You cannot do better than that. Take advantage of this exclusive deal now at suntimes.com forward slash Ben. Okay, let's unpack that speech from Lori Lightfoot last night. We have some hard choices to make. We have some hard choices to make. <laughs> yeah, all right? We're not going to make them tonight, that's for sure. Because, boom, punt. Sorry. All right. I have several <laughs> clips from last night's speech. Ben, you watched it. Your overall thoughts. Punt. That's my overall thought. It was a, uh, it was a moment where Lori Lightfoot, uh, it, she just said, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. So what I'm going to do is hold off a, a major decision. And that's, uh, but I give her, you know what? I'm going to give her credit for one thing, D. Uh, she resisted the temptation uh, as the other guy, I can't remember his name now, who used to be our mayor. She resisted the temptation to go overboard blaming her predecessor. So I'll give her credit for that. We'll begin with the beginning of the speech. Ooh, and hey, Lori, let it be known that last night was not a budget speech. <laughs> Tonight is not a budget speech where I would lay out in detail every expense and every source of revenue. That will come in October. Ah. Instead, tonight is an opportunity where we are to explain where we are today with a budget gap for next year, the steps we have taken to close that gap to date, and ask for your help. We need to come together and find solutions to the tough problems that we face, and we need to do that now. Yeah, uh, and uh, let's, so let's just follow the bouncing ball. At one point, the budget deficit was estimated. By the way, this is just the city budget, I should add. doesn't include the school budget, which is $7.7 billion or something. I think that's what the school budget is. So just so you know, folks, this is just one aspect of the budget. It's it's the city budget, and uh, it doesn't include the TIF program, which is about $800 and something million dollars a year. So just just. Keep in mind, this is just one aspect. Uh, anyway, so the budget deficit has been going up and down. At one point, it was like $500 million. Then Mayor Rahm said it was $700 million. And then Lori Lightfoot's people estimated it was $1 billion. And then last night, she came up with a number of $838 million, And she said it's down from $1 billion because of all the great uh, fiduciary wheeling and dealing they did, which they may have done. Who knows? Uh, I, I remember Mayor Rahm would magically make millions of dollars of deficit just disappear thanks to his budget genius. And I remember Mayor Daley did the same same thing too isn't it funny that every new mayor who comes in is a fiduciary wizard i oh, just moved this here to move that there and 100 million's gone nobody really knows do you? you know what i'm saying nobody really knows what the numbers are anyway so they they they've settled on 838 uh million dollars with an m so not a budget speech all right that's in october Get it right. Now she let it be known that they did walk into a deficit. Now this is the time where they kind of threw some, where she threw some jabs to uh, the previous mayor. Yeah, a few jabs. We yeah. walked into a staggeringly large deficit for next year. And what was worse, we were not left with any credible plan on how to fix this massive problem. If we follow the old playbook, we could have tried to muscle through another historically large property tax increase. 
relied on a massive borrowing scheme, shortchanged pensions, or some measure of all of the above. I fundamentally rejected all of those approaches. I got news for you. Before all said and done, one or all of those approaches will be used. Guarantee you'll be borrowing money. Uh, they'll be punting on pensions. And what was the third one? Uh, raising property taxes. Probably already raised property taxes in your school. To be, don't forget there's the school budget. But whatever. Uh, and like I said, she didn't mention Rom. She didn't spend too much time trashing him. But she did uh, stick that little dig in there about, you know, the old days they did it X, Y, Z. But we have a new day. Rom was always talking about a new day, too. Isn't that interesting? interesting we always have these new days in chicago with budgets and yet there always seems like the same old day anyway so she didn't use the previous mayor strategies so what they did instead so what we did instead was rolled up our sleeves and got to work to address this fiscal crisis we focused on creating a foundational shift in the way that the city not only balances its budget but also in the way in which we looked to the future First, by in the short term, creating structural efficiencies in the way we spend your tax dollars, laying the foundation for a strategy that shifts the focus to investing in our people, our neighborhoods, and not just in our central business district. We are working to create a real growth strategy that deals everyone in, regardless of neighborhood or zip code. All right, uh, some words. That's what I'm saying. A little fuzziness there. Uh, structural efficiencies. That's again. Mayor Rahm would do the same thing. Mayor Daly would do the same thing. They, they, they would pretend as though uh, like they had the best accountants in the world. They, their accountants were better than the other accountants, and somehow or other they were figuring out which way to invest the money or handle the money. And we were saving money, and so you could bring down the deficit, or if necessary, you could then redo it and go. Oh, oh it's higher than we expected. So it's you know. I'm not quite sure really what's going on things are moving really fast but rest assured our accountants are better than their accountants but in just over a hundred days in just over a hundred days we have not solved every problem but we have laid a foundation on which we can build a better fairer and more prosperous chicago for all and let me share some of the things we have done so far i vowed to you during the campaign that i would be a better fiduciary of your tax dollars and we are well on our way first we started the process of bringing integrity back to government you know that on my first day in office i signed an executive order ending the practice known as aldermanic prerogative Next, we passed one of the most comprehensive ethics reform packages in recent memory. These included placing restrictions on outside employment, expanding oversight to ensure every elected official plays by the same rules, increasing fines for ethics violations, and limiting the influence of lobbyists in City Hall. How does government reform and integrity relate to city finances? Well, if you don't have a government that you trust, one that has legitimacy, we cannot move forward together, making the tough but necessary decisions that will transform our future. A government that you can trust because we operate transparently is a core tenet of our democracy. These reforms that we have made are a critical component of showing you, not just saying it, but showing you. We heard you, and we will be better fiscal stewards of your hard-earned tax dollars. 
All right. I agree with her in the most general principle. I, uh, I agree with her that, uh, well, first of all, let me start by this. There is no direct connection between automatic prerogative and uh, the city's fiscal problems. None. However, there is the... Uh, the notion that if if Chicago's government is corrupt, if Chicago's government is all a bunch of behind the the, the scenes wheeling and dealing, uh, and which is sort of covered over with lies that our officials put out, which is essentially what has, Chicago government has been for the last I don't know 20, 30 years, uh, ever since Harold Washington died. Uh, if you if we believe that, then you can't believe. They're going to uh, fairly and wisely and astutely spend the tax dollars we send them. So I, uh, I do agree with her on that basic point, D. However, aldermanic prerogative, I've been saying this from the get-go, uh, is a scapegoat created by uh, Lori and her aides and a this, basically the good government community the city of Chicago to knock down uh, in order to have an easy target. So it has nothing to do directly with the city's budget problems. Most of those aldermen, okay, who, the notion of aldermen and prerogatives is that aldermen have too much power. I got news for you folks. Most of the aldermen were like Republican congressmen in Washington. They just followed the leader wherever he went. And so uh, that meant following Richard daily on every budget he proposed and Rahm Emanuel with every budget he proposed. So the notion that somehow aldermen have too much power and that's the reason why uh, the city is facing a financial crisis, I do not think is true. And aside from ethics reform, Aside from ethics reform, we have also started combing the city budget and contracts for efficiencies and savings. Here's where we are so far. We have taken important steps to professionalize the $100 million a year workers' compensation program. That program had been under the control of a single alderman who is now under federal indictment. There was zero transparency in that program. An independent audit found that well over 600 claims were open for over a decade without any resolution. And even though the city had paid almost $300 million towards these open claims, and the program was ripe for fraud, waste, and abuse. Just by professionalizing that program, we expect to reap significant savings. I give her an A on this point. Uh, I've been giving her an A on this point for uh, ever since uh, she took office. She went right after Ed Burke. Ed Burke is the alderman she was alluding to, the powerful alderman of the 14th Ward on the southwest side of Chicago, who was the chairman of the Finance Committee for all these years during the Daly and Rahm uh, administrations. And uh, while he was running a property tax business on one hand, uh, he was shepherding through all the contracts and uh, all the budgets through the city council for approval. On the other hand, uh, he was taking advantage of his power and his influence to get tax breaks for his clients, some of whom were also uh, contractors with the city of Chicago. So it was corrupt. Uh, it, uh, it, it fed that general notion that Lori was talking about, that you can't trust anything our government officials do. I would uh, point out that the citizens of Chicago have consistently elected not only Ed Burke, but mayors who allowed him to have that power. But Put that to a side for the moment. Uh, Lori Lightfoot took on Ed Burke very early on, and I give her credit for that. And so kudos to you, Lori Lightfoot. I'll give you an A in that. One of the things Lori Lightfoot is most proud of as mayor. One of the things that I am most proud of as mayor 
is our unequivocal support of immigrant and refugee communities. Now, why do I reference this important work in a speech about municipal finance? Because our growth strategy has to include continuing the reality of Chicago as a welcoming city. Contrary to the xenophobic rhetoric, immigrants contribute to our economy in significant ways. They always have. And what did she know before? What I knew before and what has been reinforced over these last months is that we need to build additional supports for low income and working families because per poverty is constantly knocking on their doors. Lifting people up and out of the grip of poverty will not only close the wealth gap with all of its terrible consequences and expand the pipeline of workers, but will close life expectancy and health gaps that rob people of their ability to fulfill their God-given potential. This is both a moral and fiscal imperative. Thus, our pathways to fiscal health have to run through households and neighborhoods like Roseland and Rogers Park, Austin and Inglewood, from the southeast and the southwest and neighborhoods like Pullman and Park Manor. We must lead with public investment along with private partnerships to catalyze neighborhoods where generational poverty has people in its cr crushing grip. All right, I'm going to take the two points uh, that she raised here. The first point where she starts talking about immigration. Uh, why do I raise this in a budget speech? Uh, there, and then she had her explanation. Uh, and I would say, D, it was a very political uh, reason why she did it. And the, it just to remind everybody that she, Lori Lightfoot, is not Donald Trump. All right. She's getting Lori Life has been getting blasted a lot by progressives around town. So it's very important in this speech, which is supposedly about the budget, that she just let everybody know that she is not Donald Trump. So he was the unmentioned person in that speech and that little aside. And I don't blame her for doing that. Uh, she's been taking a shellacking from progressives, some of whom have come right here on this show. And some will probably I think we got Carlos next week. Right. Uh, D. Alderman, Carlos Ramirez Rose. I'm sure I'll have a thing or two to say about Lori Lightfoot. But it's very important for her to established in the speech that she is not Donald Trump, all right, on at least on immigration. And uh, in terms of the notion that the city has to be one city as opposed to a, a really um, wealthy downtown, this is a theme that Mayor Rahm would articulate all the time in a budget speech while he pursued policies that fed the overwhelming majority of our investment into a few uh, handful of gentrifying neighborhoods in and around the loop. So it's still way too early to see if Lori is going to break from that old economic development policy of concentrating on a handful of neighborhoods. She didn't really address that in a specific way. Uh, and we, uh, I wrote about this uh, in uh, today's column about the Lincoln Yards TIF deal. So it's uh, way too early to see if Lori's going to make a real break from Rom uh, on the uh, investment strategies. But they have taken other additional steps, Ben, or initial steps other initial steps towards creating a thriving economy for all. This includes the passage of the Fair Workweek legislation. Through the leadership of Alderman Susan Sedlowski-Garza and with the support of business groups, we passed legislation championed for years by organized labor that will give thousands of workers predictable schedules, which means predictable cash flow, and that makes for better, more loyal employees and stronger families. We took meaning... 
Got to give her credit for that one, D. Got to give her an A for that one. Uh, the Fair Work Week legislation we talked a lot about on the show. And by the way, it was no joke when she mentioned Alderwoman uh, Susan Sadlowski Garza. Susan Sadlowski Garza, uh, good friend of the show, been on the show many times from the southeast side of the city of Chicago. Uh, comes from a, uh, w- her father is one of the great labor leaders of the 60s and 70s. And uh, Lori Lightfoot knew what she was doing when she put Sue Garza out there because so many progressives who were allies of Sue Garza, including the Chicago Teachers Union, have been hammering Lori. And that was Lori's way of saying, oh, yeah, well, my ally is Sue Sadlowski Garza. So take that, Chicago Teachers Union. The games politicians play. When she started as mayor on May 20th, When I started as mayor on May 20th, we walked into a projected deficit for next year of $1 billion. Yes, that's billion with a B. As a result of the efforts we have made to date and changes in our forecasting, that number has decreased by almost $200 million. But that still means that the budget gap for 2020 is $838 million. And if $838 million sounds like it's big, it's because it is. But hey, let her be clear. Let me be clear. I don't see the provision of pensions or city workers as the problem. The key problem is a decades-long failure to meet our pension obligations and fix the structural problems that have led to this crisis. Now, there are limits to what any mayor can do alone to generate revenue. We have and will continue to explore every reasonable option. And reasonable, to me, means relieving the financial burden on those least able to afford it and not driving business out of Chicago. As your mayor, I cannot in good faith promise you that I will take any option off the table to tackle this crisis whether it's through budget reductions or by raising revenue. All right. Whether it's through budget reductions or raising revenue, cuts or new taxes. And that, I suppose, is what she's going to unveil in October, D. All right. Don't forget the big October speech. I thought this was where she's going to unveil the cuts and the tax Come October, I'll address those challenges further in my budget speech. There you go. Right. Come October. All right. But what Lori Lightfoot can tell you. But what I can tell you is that I will work tirelessly to ensure whatever options we take will be made with transparency and with working folks in mind. We are committed to a graduated real estate transfer tax. This will bring relief to homeowners whose houses sell for under $500,000, while owners with higher valued homes will pay more of their fair share. We are committed to addressing homelessness and housing instability and putting real resources towards these problems. We are exploring options to address rampant congestion that solves the problem of traffic, pollution, and other issues while simultaneously bringing in a fair share of funding. And we are working to develop a policy to stand up a robust cannabis industry, Uh. one that will not only generate revenue for the city, but creates new business and job opportunities for black and brown people who have been the victims of the war on drugs and who to date have been mostly excluded from legitimate medical and recreational markets as entrepreneurs. Mm, The crowd loved that one. And what else are they pursuing? Let me be clear. 
We are pursuing a Chicago casino that creates a dedicated revenue stream to pay for our pension costs. If we get the tax structure right, this will represent a structural solution to address long-term problems, not a one-time fix. Not only that, it will also create thousands of jobs, help fund the state's capital plan, and stop the flow of over $200 million in gaming revenue to Indiana. As an independent study made clear, Chicago and Springfield will need to work together to get the tax structure right in order to move this plan forward. Getting it right represents a win for both the city and our state, and there's no reason why we can't arrive at a solution. But we have to be honest with ourselves. If such an agreement isn't made, if we don't secure this casino and the revenue that it creates, we will then be forced to make painful choices on finding other revenue sources. And we all know what those are, the sources we desperately wish to avoid. Yes. Uh, you got one more clip to play before we Three more. So everybody. where do we go from here? So where do we go from here? As challenging as our finances are, the truth is Chicago is not alone. It's a story being played out across our state. Cities and towns in every corner of Illinois are grappling with rising pension costs. Just like Chicago, they've sold their assets in order to make their pension contributions, only to find that their pensions are still poorly funded. And just like Chicago, many of these towns have been downgraded by rating agencies because their pension burdens are so severe. This increases the cost of borrowing. Just like Chicago has historically done, they've turned to raising property taxes. I want to avoid that measure as much as possible. But if we don't get the structural changes that our pensions need, we will be presented with very hard and limited options. Solving our shared pension problems will require the entire state to come together. People in this state know, as I do, that I-80 is not a border. There cannot be a Chicago versus the rest of the state. All of Illinois. Now, as she said on Inauguration Day. As I said on Inauguration Day, we should never settle for dividing up a shrinking pie or pitting one part of the city against another. Yes, some of our solutions will be hard. Yes, they may involve putting ourselves at risk. And if that means that I sacrifice myself politically, so be it in pursuit of the right thing. And friends, we don't have a moment to lose. Friends, we don't have a moment to lose. Chicago is and must remain the economic engine of our state and the entire Midwest. Our challenges are great, but our ability to solve them is even greater if we work together. It's only by working together as a city and a state that we can become what we need to be, to build and grow better together for a brighter future. Now, now is the time. Together, let's seize this moment to do the right thing, to chart a new course, and to put our city on a stronger path once and for all. Thank you, and God bless you, and God bless the great city of Chicago.